0: Hey everyone, it's PJ here, and we're in Daily Podcast number 36 uh, today. I want to continue our uh, discussion on theology at the movies, and this would be part two of that discussion, and mainly just yeah, going down um, John Frame's little book on theology at the movies. Uh, today we're gonna get uh, into this topic a little bit more in detail, just by uh, looking at the list of questions that uh, Dr. Frame encourages us, and he himself tries to ask whenever he approaches uh, any Hollywood film. And I think there are a lot of helpful questions here that I think we can keep in mind and try to raise, if not all of them, just some of them, as we approach movies. And I think with practice, with repetition, this would become more of a norm for you, uh, so that you have a certain discernment. Uh, when you approach certain um, things in media and certain things in culture, not just with movies, but all kinds of other things as well. So let me just go down these questions uh, one at a time and address each of them briefly. And the first question he encourages us to uh, think about is, who wrote the film or who uh, produced slash directed or wrote the film? Uh, and that's important because it gives you a sense of what their sort of philosophy of life is and you can also consider the previous works that they have done and um, the product of that, you know, what what came out of uh, that and uh, you can get a sense of uh, where they're coming from and where they're headed in terms of the kind of ideology that they are representing and the kind of film that they generally make. So uh, for example, you can have two directors making war movies, but depending on who it is, the, the movies are completely different in style and in um, the the message that it's conveying. So if you watch a war movie by Mel Gibson, whether he directs or acts in it, it's going to be uh, totally different from a war movie directed by Michael Bay, for example. Right? Um, With uh, Mel Gibson, you're going to get a lot more of the horror uh, of the war and also certain um, uh, themes of sacrifice and heroism that you can see during wartime as well. Whereas in Michael Bay movies, um, I think there is less of that uh, realistic portrayal, much less of that, and more of the uh, theme of unity, solidarity, coming together, um, and the message is generally a lot more hopeful, maybe a bit more commercialized uh, than Mel Gibson. So that's an example. Um, here's another example. You can have two directors doing something really epic, on, like a period piece on an epic scale. Uh, but depending on who the director is, you could have two, very different things. So you can have Steven Spielberg, for example, uh, directing an epic movie that will look and feel very different from a Martin Scorsese movie. Because you know, with Martin Scorsese, you have... Uh, he, he likes to highlight just the realistic uh, ugliness and at times uh, uh, horror of just reality. And uh, it's, the message behind it isn't always a hopeful one. It's, it's more of a realism. Whereas with Steven Spielberg... Uh, in most of his movies, if not all of his movies, there is this message of hope in, in light of um, the, the realistic um, uh, brokenness of this world. And so even if you have a movie like Schindler's List, there's a, there's a little glimmer of hope there. Um, even a movie like Munich, which was uh, based on real events, uh, an incredibly violent movie, even there you find glimpses of hope. Uh, whereas in in Martin Scorsese movies, that's not always the case. Not always the case. Um, So this is the kind of awareness you have after seeing uh, a lot of movies, and you you sort of take inventory, you know, of uh, the kind of themes that you see, the kind of general movement you see in these movies. Uh, Let me just give you one more example uh, since I jotted down here uh, in my notes. Um, If you watch any movie by... Bong Joon-ho, the Korean director that won Best Director just recently for Parasite, which also won Best Picture. Uh, His big thing a lot of times is class warfare, uh, between rich and poor, between um, the privileged and and the underprivileged. And so you see that in, of course, Parasite, but also in other movies like Snowpiercer. Um, Also even the movie uh, The Host. Um, there's, There's something there about just... Uh, the different classes at work here, uh, work there in, in Korean society. Um, whereas if you watch uh, movies by Scott Derrickson, uh, you will find a lot of things about, not class warfare, but spiritual warfare, between good and evil. Uh, that's a thing that's predominant in all all of his movies. Um, uh, so, you know, even, even in Doctor Strange, uh, I think there was more of that tension between good and evil in in, in his movie. And because he, he addresses the evil underneath the evil. The evil is not just on the human level, but on the spiritual level as well. On the metaphysical level, there is evil. And, and that's just something that Scott Derrickson is uniquely good at, um, infusing that into storytelling and, and movies. And I I think that's a voice that's needed more than, than, than ever before um, and not have just something... Uh, evil being something that is just purely conditioned by nurture you know um, that can be deconditioned deconstructed and sort of removed by education or or training um, and, and I feel like a lot of times Disney movies have that tendency um, to, to view uh, evil in the world simply as a, a result of ignorance or um, perhaps even misfortune, just being raised in a, a bad place uh, and and just needing to be, uh, in a way, raised out of it. Um, and, and that's all there is to what we might consider good or evil. So, again, I think after uh, encountering a series of movies, you can begin to take inventory of uh, who or what studio makes certain types of movies. Um, secondly, uh, you can also consider whether it is aesthetically well done. I mean, after all, this is a visual type of art and aesthetics matter. You know, does it um, does it have high production value or does it have great acting quality? And that's kind of different from the first question, which is addressed more at the theme and the message of the movie. The, this second question has more to do with its, its sort of visual quality. And that's important to understand um, because when something... Is really popular. Let's say, like, it's it's just grossing a lot of mo- uh, money at the at the theaters. Uh, it's not always because it has a great message and has a great sort of theme. Sometimes it's it's just because it's great to look at. Uh, it's aesthetically uh, pleasing or it's really well acted. But as a overall movie, uh, it may not have a really outstanding message or even an impressive message. Uh, and I, I think a recent movie I watched where I felt that was. Um, uh, Blade Runner, the, the the sort of the the sequel, right? Uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Uh, visually and aesthetically, just stunning. Um, even the the music. I thought when I when I watched it in the theater, I sat back and the music was just. Um, I thought it was incredibly moving and impressive, but I I wasn't sure walking away from that what the message was. And I think the. The response to it was more of an aesthetic one than a textual one or, or than a uh, uh, thematic one. Uh, whereas, you know, I think another movie like um, Mad Max Fury Road, I thought was incredible, both in terms of its aesthetics and also its uh, thematic elements about just redemption. Um and then salvation and hope. Um, it was just a great combination of both of those things. So I, I felt like that movie, that the year it came out, I'm not sure which year it was, uh, but I think that was my favorite movie of that year. Um, so yes, uh, when you look at these things separately, you can kind of discern, right? Uh, that something is as, that's aesthetically impressive is not necessarily something that is also um, thematically impressive. And it's okay to, and I think it's actually a good idea to separate those two things sometimes. Um, another thing uh, that uh, Frame kind of continues to encourage us to think about is concerning the genre. Okay? Uh, is it fantasy? Is it biography? Is it a realistic drama? Is it a comedy? Okay. So that you can kind of judge it based on its genre as well, um, so that you don't necessarily go into a fantasy with expectations for a historical drama, you know, a period piece. Um, You don't go into comedy expecting the most sort of serious, like, lesson about life, more about life. Although they can overlap, but it kind of, you know, helps you go in with the proper expectations a little bit when you understand uh, the genre. Um, There's that. And then the other, another thing that he uh, considers is what is the worldview of the film? Is it a theistic worldview or an atheistic worldview? Okay. Meaning, uh, is God involved or, or God-like force involved in the movie? Or is, it, is everything, every event, every choice simply sort of um, humanistic or deterministic? Is it sort of uh, operating based on human choices alone or random randomness and um, fortunes and misfortunes that are out of our, out of our control? And that's kind of how you can gauge whether it's a theistic presentation or an atheistic presentation. If it is atheistic, you can also usually gauge something like relativism at play here or uh, um, sort of this uh, uh, blurring of the lines between good and evil or right or wrong. It's all sort of gray. Uh, Whereas if it's something coming more from a theistic perspective or even the Christian perspective, I think you'll find something that's slightly more dogmatic, meaning slightly more uh, sure of its stance on what is good, what is evil, uh, what is right and what is wrong. So I think when you look at the first Harry Potter movie, um, very clearly theistic uh, in sort of a climactic moment when um, um, the, the villain says, I won't spoil it for you so i won't name who the villain is but uh when the when the villain says um, there is no good or evil only power uh that is his sort of atheistic uh relativism sort of being presented there but of course harry doesn't believe that right Uh, that itself is wrong and so he counters that and he, he fights against that. And so he stands on that theistic platform in uh, countering that, that sort of atheistic dogma. So you can see behind the conflict or sometimes even just indirectly what they say, right? In the, in the movie lines, some of these themes being, being presented. Uh, the other thing that also we can consider is when it comes to uh, the problem... Uh, in the movie, uh, what can we say about that? And, and, and this is a really big one, okay A lot of times people don't ask this question, especially in I think children movies or Disney movies or Pixar movies, and, the, and that is what is exactly the problem here and the source of that problem? okay? And a lot of times it's not that difficult to tie the problem with uh, Genesis 3, the fall of mankind, okay the fall of Adam. Um, there is a correlation usually between the two. And, and there are films that present that as well, uh, where uh, you, you see how you cannot simply condition someone into being, being good. Um, and, and you see a lot of times uh, antagonists presented as people who behave well on the surface, but on the inside are, are totally different. And so you see these hypocritical characters presented in a lot of movies as well. Uh, And I think in those cases, yeah, you're getting at something at the heart. And that has correlation to the problem of sin in the Bible. Um, But if it's merely something that you can uh, teach and condition into people, and that's the extent, that's all there is to good and evil, then uh, you are looking at a very naturalistic and materialistic view of the world and human beings. And uh, you're, re- you're not really dealing with a world that has serious problems uh, lurking underneath. Uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's all about behavior control. It's all about behavior modification. And that really takes away the moral force of any story. Because um, in order for a story to really be meaningful, the, the problem has, has to always be meaningful as well. Um, and so I think when you look at any great story, uh the the problem of evil is always at play. I think that I mean despite all the debate about the new Star wars films right the reason why it it touches so many souls and the, the reason why it is still one of the top you know grossing movies of all time and movies franchise of all time is because it, I think it does address that uh uh to a large degree that that evil does exist uh, as an entity now we may disagree with um how they really understand the the depth of it, and maybe they they have a too too much of a dualistic view of it, of good and evil. But um, the fact that they affirm the existence of evil and the and the dark forces, I think it it sort of it resonates with a lot of us because I think that is it, it lines up with what we see in the world. Um, there is there is a real problem. The world is not the way it's supposed to be, and um, there's something that cries out for an explanation there. All right. And um, then following up to that, okay, how is a problem resolved? Okay, that's another really important question. Who is the hero? What or what leads to the solution or the resolution? Uh, is it human intellect? All right. Is it just like educating someone who doesn't know enough? Uh, is that what solves the problem? Is it physical power? Is it just like, you know, kicking down doors and just shooting up bad guys? Is that what solves the problem? Um, is it unity? You know, a lot of children movies, I think, resort to this where, um, people who were once divided are now united or is it some kind of emotional healing that leads to a relational, uh, resolution, right? A lot of family dramas have to do with that. There are all kinds of, right, uh, solutions and resolutions to problems presented. And it's just helpful just to articulate, okay, what, what is that? Okay. Uh, when you walk out of a movie theater, okay, what solved that problem? What was the problem? What solved that problem? And that just kind of gives you a sense of what the makers and the producers of the movie uh, are trying to convey uh, as a as a message. And it also, also gives you the sort of the moral stance of the film, um, which is another question that he raises here. But I think we kind of addressed that. Um, I thought this was uh, an interesting point. When you're watching comedy, just kind of, look out for, you know, uh, humor at, at whose expense, you know, uh, who's being caricatured here? Is that, is it fair? Um, is it, uh, making fun of traditional values? Is it making fun of people who are, uh, really, um, quote unquote, hung up on being moral and being, um, goody two shoes? You know, is, is it, is it fair humor or is it just kind of uh, biased, um, sort of anti-Christian kind of humor? Because um, there are films like that. There are movies like that, that caricature uh, Christians and Christianity. And to be honest with you, um, when I watch those movies, in my, in my head, I'm like, I have never met such a Christian in my life. And I've been a Christian all my life. Um, and I think it discredits their, their case a bit. But it goes both ways. I think sometimes in Christian movies, you can have caricatures of atheists as well. So you just kind of have to be be discerning and objective about that. You know, humor at, at the expense of who is it? Is it fair humor? All right. Um, and a couple other things you can consider. What are the illusions or symbolism that's used in the movie? Okay. And that's important because uh, filmmakers are influencers, right? But at the same time, filmmakers have also been influenced. They have been influenced by others as well. So um, you can sometimes tell that, tell what it is that they've been influenced by, thinkers they've been influenced by, artists they've been influenced by, historical figures they've been influenced by, Um, religious leaders they've been influenced by. You can kind of discern these things. Again, that's just good to know. And again, to the extent that that Person that filmmaker is influencing others, then you know that uh, you know where that influence is coming from, and you can properly address that. Um, and I think last question, this is probably maybe the the most important one. Save the best for last. Um, is are there any Christ figures in the film? Okay, Christ figures in the film. Um, usually, you will find in a movie a savior figure, or a um, savior component, okay, that brings, again, that solution to the picture, or resolution to the picture. Who or what is the savior? Who is the Christ in that movie? Well, of course, they won't call it Christ always, but uh, who might be the Christ figure? And I love uh, John Frame's uh, example here of uh, using E.T., Steven Spielberg's E.T., and he considers, uh, yeah, the genuine Christ figure there ought to be E.T., right? There's a the theme of uh, pre-existence, growth, teaching, miracle, healing, death, resurrection, and ascension. Wow, right? Um, if you really think about it in those terms, it does seem like the the life and death and resurrection and ascension of Christ. Uh, you see all these things portrayed in that film. So in terms of a Christ figure, yeah, I think you have something like that in in E.T., uh, of course, Spielberg would deny, and I think he did deny that kind of direct parallel. But uh, sometimes, according to John Frame, um, people will portray Christ-like themes or New Testament-like themes, biblical themes, uh, without without giving uh, explicit credit to it, but just kind of instinctively give their uh, parallel, create kind of this kind of parallel to Christ. And um, you can you can explain that in a lot of ways. I think uh, childhood influence or just being created in the image of God. Um, but uh, yeah, sometimes uh, the what you see on in the movie itself is it, sometimes it goes beyond the movie maker. Okay, um, and I think that makes sense because um, ultimately um, God is the one in control of of everyone. And everything he created, everyone and everything. And um, um, I think it's important that we uh, acknowledge that uh, there's more to uh, an artist's creation than the artist's intention. Uh, there's the intention of the people who influence the artist, the the books that the artist have read, um, the the circumstances and, and the uh, upbringing of that artist, and that's. Totally, you know, subconscious in, in, in that artist's sort of psyche, but not in, in his explicit or his or her explicit intentions. And of course, there's the intention of God as well. So um, it, it's, it's good to know that and, and understand that uh, whether this person gives credit to Christ or not, you can sometimes see the Christ theme um, and figuring in, in that movie as well. All right. So those are a list of, I mean, that's a lot of things, but I hope that you can maybe, what you can try to do is um, before you watch your next movie, answer some of these questions for yourself or during the movie, answer some of these questions. And after the movie, discuss some of these questions um, and start exercising your discernment uh, as you engage with culture. Again, we want to be Uh, not of the world but in the world and to be in the world and not of the world we have to have discernment Um, and uh, these are some of the questions that are meant to encourage your discernment so um, yeah please consider trying it out and as always um, let's continue to be in the word and of the word of God Um, that is what we want to be ultimately shaped by and so I hope you are continuing to do that Um, something that i'm starting to do now these days is uh, trying to find a chunk of time where i can finish a short book of the bible Uh, like you know hosea or micah the minor prophets or maybe jude um, james some of these shorter books just kind of setting a good chunk of time aside to to uh, walk through the whole book just kind of let let it let it uh, impact me as much as a movie would because I I mean we usually sit through two hours or more uh, for a movie Uh, and sometimes it's really uh, beneficial to sit through two hours or more of scripture reading and looking at the story of the Bible as well and letting that shape our understanding of the world understanding of who we are and understanding of who God is so yeah I would encourage you guys to uh, do that and continue to pray as well